Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the 10th and Broad Church of Christ podcast. Today's message is presented by Ken Holsberry, the preaching minister at the 10th and Broad Church. Let's tune in now for Ken's message. Well, last week, Shane did a great job of uh, introducing this series that uh, I'm calling Impact. And we're looking at the impact that the Lord Jesus Christ has had on the world since he came 2,000 years ago. And he continues to have an incredible impact on our world in such a way and in such ways that we take for granted. And we don't even really notice on this side of the cross some of the ways that he has impacted us. Today, we're going to talk about the way that Jesus has impacted those who are sick. People who deal with illness and who, who struggle with, with pain and, and other things associated with sickness. Jesus has had a huge impact on the sick and on how we look at and interact with those who are sick. And they say that laughter is the best medicine. And so, two of our funniest members... Jeremy and Jenny, our campus ministers, are going to come up and share some doctor jokes with you. So Jeremy and Jenny, come on up and get us started. I have to admit, I'm still thinking about what special noises we're going to make at the Christmas party. But uh, I'll apologize for these ahead of time and we'll just leave it at that. A, uh, a doctor calls up his patient and he says, I've got some bad news and I've got some worse news. He says, the bad news is that you've only got 24 hours to live. And the guy says, what on earth could be worse than that? And he says, I've been trying to call you since yesterday. <laughs> um, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty serious one to start on. Um, a, little bit, a little bit more lighthearted. Why did the Christmas tree go to the doctor? Do you know? Why? Because it had tensilitis. Yeah. Oh, I thought he would have gangrene. Oh. You're, not, you're not supposed to like take my joke. Just um, A patient storms in the doctor's office. Doctor, you told me I have a month to live. And then you sent me a bill for $1,000. I can't pay that before the end of the month. The doctor looks at him calmly and says, you know what? You've got six months to live. So he, he was able to extend his warranty a little bit there. Um, oh. Doctor, there's an invisible man in your waiting room. Tell him I can't see him now. Oh, God. <laughs> Doctor, I'm in terrible pain. It hurts everywhere. It's, it's awful. It's the worst. Show me where it hurts. Well, look, it hurts here, here, here. I mean, everywhere I touch. It just, it's, it's excruciating. I don't know what to do. It's okay. I know what's wrong. What? You have a broken finger. Oh. <laughs> Well, laughter is a really good medicine, right? But Jesus is the very best medicine. And so let's honor him and worship him as we sing, as we pray, as we hear his word, as we remember his death and his burial and his resurrection. Well, there is a picture of Pope Francis from back in 2013 that caused a stir around the world when the, the picture was first seen. After a speech, uh, he was greeting people, and a man 
whose face was covered with tumors came to him. And this man suffered from something that is called neurofibromatosis. Um, And it is a genetic disease that causes tumors to uh, appear all over a person and disfiguring them. And he came to, to him. The Pope leaned down and he put his hands on the man. And then he leaned down and he kissed him. And, and that photo is, is what went viral and, and spread around, around the whole world. It was, people were so impressed by that, that he touched him and that he kissed him, that simple act. And people were interested in that, amazed at that, responded in a lot of different ways to that. It seemed very significant that a religious leader would stoop down and, and touch Someone and, and kiss them in that way. And I tell you that story because I believe with all my heart that the impact of that picture is directly related to the impact of Jesus. Even for people who don't follow Jesus, his impact is felt around the world. Because of the way that Jesus impacted the sick. Again, even for don't for people who don't follow Jesus, one person commented on that photo and he said, keeping religion aside, this is a role model for humanity. I think that's such an interesting way for that person to react. Let's don't let's don't have anything to to do with religion. But boy, this is really a great way for someone to live. It's only because of Jesus that anyone lives that way. We can't put religion aside. We can't ever put Jesus aside. Because of the impact that he had and is having in this world. Before Jesus came into the world. If you were sick... It was because the gods had cursed you. That was, that was the common belief around the world. If you were sick, if something was wrong with you, if tragedy had, had befallen you, if you were disfigured in some way, if you were suffering in some way, there was only one answer to that, and that's because you had done something to displease the gods, and they were cursing you. That was the common held belief. Even for the Jews, who should have been more enlightened because they knew the one true God, even for the Jews, they believed that your sickness was directly connected to your sin. We we see that in in John chapter 9. The disciples saw a blind man, and the first question they had to Jesus is, Who sinned? Was it this man or was his parents that he would have been born blind? And Jesus gives them a very distinct, very clear, very definitive answer. And he says, neither. It wasn't this man. It wasn't his parents. And folks, when Jesus said that, that was a radically new teaching that has changed the world. And it's changed the way that the world interacts and deals with And reacts to those who are sick. It is just, it's almost impossible for us this far into the impact of Jesus. For us to realize what an impact Jesus 
has had. It was ground shaking when he said those words. Because again, everyone knew that when you were sick, it's because you had done something wrong. That was conventional wisdom, whether you were a pagan or whether you were a Jew. But then Jesus comes along and with this one simple statement, one simple sentence, he just flatly states that sickness and disfigurement and illness and deformity are not a curse from the gods. They are not on you because of some way that you have sinned against God. But I want you to know that Jesus goes even further. He does not just say this this negative statement. Jesus goes further to state a positive, And he says, not only is this sickness not because of sin, but God Almighty is going to work in it and God Almighty is going to work through it. And in that way, that sickness even becomes redemptive. Because God isn't going to avoid the sick. God is going to embrace the sick. And to prove it, Jesus went over and he touched that man and he healed him and he gave him his sight. And God was glorified through that sickness. And then Jesus, all through his ministry, touched sick people. He touched those who were outcast. And it was revolutionary. There are 1,257 what are called narrative verses. What I mean by a narrative verse is that verse just narrates, narrates some kind of activity of Jesus. Over 1,200 of those verses. Forty percent of those verses that narrate the activity of Jesus describe Jesus healing someone. Jesus impacted the sick. Jesus healed blind eyes. He healed withered hands. He healed paralyzed legs. He healed mute lips. He healed deaf ears. He healed leprous bodies. And the list goes on and goes on. And more could be written than there are scrolls in the universe to describe the healing that Jesus did and has continued to do. He healed people on the spot with a word, with a touch, and his healing impacted the world. And still does to this day. Jesus impacted the world of the sick. Not just with what he did. But with what he said and what he taught. He shocked his followers. While he was sitting at a dinner party. In Luke chapter 14. He said when you give a luncheon or a dinner. Don't invite your friends. Your brothers or sisters. Your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do they'll invite you back. And then you will have been repaid. But when you give a banquet. Invite the poor. Invite the crippled, invite the lame, invite the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Now, we, we know that story. We read that story. I want you to imagine if you'd been sitting there and you heard Jesus say that. Because, folks, nobody talks that way. Nobody tells you to not invite your friends or neighbors or relatives, but instead go invite sick people and and outcast people and, and hurting people and people who require a lot of help. That's who I want you to invite to your house, Jesus said. And I don't think Jesus was talking symbolically here. I think Jesus was telling his followers, this is what it's going to look like in the kingdom of God if you are following me, because this is the impact that we are going to have on the world. Nobody talks that way but Jesus. Because remember, they all thought that these people were under the judgment of God. But Jesus says, no, they're under the love of God. And I want you to be the ones who love them. 
Invite them. And God is going to bless you and repay you. And then Jesus even takes it, takes it a step further in Matthew chapter 25. And he's talking about the end of the age. When he's going to come back in his glory. And he's going to judge. And it says, then the king will say to those on his right. Come you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you. Since the creation of the world. For I was hungry. Jesus says. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. And you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous are going to answer him. And they're going to say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? When did we see you a stranger or needing clothes? When did we see you sick or in prison? And the king, Jesus, the king, will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Do you hear what Jesus has just done? This, this next further step Jesus has just taken. Jesus has just identified himself with those who are sick. And with those who are in prison and those who are in need. Jesus has identified himself. He has equated himself and what we do to them with what we do to him. And he has said that he's going to hold his followers accountable for how they deal with those kind of people. And so when Jesus sends his disciples out. In Luke 9, he gives them three things that he wants them to do. He says, I want you to go and I want you to cast out demons. I want you to go and I want you to preach the kingdom of God and I want you to heal the sick. And that's exactly what they went and did. And it's what his disciples have been doing ever since. And the impact they have had on the world through the name of Jesus is beyond comprehension for us. Sociologists say that one of the reasons that Christianity spread like it did was because of the way the church ministered to the sick. And there was one specific event that historians and sociologists point back to. And there was a, a horrible um, plague that swept through the Roman world in the second century. So this would have been a hundred or so years after Jesus. A plague swept through. It was, it was incredibly destructive. As many as 5,000 people a day, they said, were dying in the city of Rome. And, and the empire was in panic because they didn't know what to do. And it's not just that they scientifically didn't know what to do. Just humanly, they didn't know what to do. Because Zeus or whatever God they served had never given them instructions on how you deal with something like this. But our God had given his people instructions. We've just been reading them. And so the church knew what to do. And so the church, at risk to their own lives, were the ones who went out and ministered to the sick and to the dying during that plague. And in fact, many Christians did die because they contracted the plague while they were ministering. But they weren't concerned about that because they knew that they were never going to die. They were going to live forever in Jesus. He was going to resurrect them. And that faith and that hope and that confidence allowed them to put their life at risk to take care of those who were less fortunate than them. And it had a huge impact on the Roman world. And it's one of the things that that historians point to to say this is one of the ways that the, the church brought down in the end the Roman Empire and and converted the world to follow Christ. 
because of the way that they ministered to those who were sick. In fact, a little bit later, one of the emperors, his name was Julian. He was not a Christian. He, we have his writing. He chastised the pagan priest in all of the temples for not keeping up with the Christians. Here's what he says. I think when the poor happened to be neglected, which I think is such an interesting phrase, they happened to be neglected. I think when the poor happened to be neglected and overlooked by you priest, the impious Galileans, that's who he's talking about when he talks about the Christians, the impious Galileans observed this and they devoted themselves to benevolence. Those impious Galileans support not only their poor, but ours as well. And everyone can see that our people lack aid from us. So even the pagan emperor of Rome noticed what the followers of Jesus were doing when they cared for those who were sick and the masses who had really looked down on Christians and said all kinds of things about them and in some places persecuted them, the masses began to turn and follow Christ because of the impact he had through his people on those who were sick. But as we go through history, we can see that this just continues. In the 4th century, a few centuries later, there was a church leader. His name was was Basil, Basil, and he... He felt like the Lord was really calling him to minister to those who had leprosy. And he wanted to build a commune so that he could bring them in and care for them. And so he raised money among the churches and he built this commune to care for leprosy. And history will look back and say, that's really the first hospital. And and in fact, church leaders, as time went on, began to decree as the centuries went on, that anytime they were going to spend a lot of money and build a cathedral, they also had to spend money and build a hospital. And throughout the world, most hospitals had their start with Christians who pooled their resources so that they could take care of the sick. I think a case can be made that it was just this Christian worldview of caring for the sick that has promulgated the advancements in medicine that we benefit from. Here's the reason I think that the impact of Jesus has even been on how medicine has advanced. Because if your worldview is, if you're sick and dying, it's because you're cursed and we don't need to deal with you because you're under God's curse. You're going to die anyway. You don't advance in how you're going to take care of sick people, sick people. But if you believe that they are a child of God and that they need your help, then you're going to do whatever you can to advance your care for them. Jesus' impact is, is, is everywhere when it comes to how we deal with those who are sick. In 1859, a man named Jean-Henri Dunant, that's my East Texas French, by the way. Um, he was a wealthy follower of Jesus from Switzerland, and he was impacted by the sounds of the wounded and the dying men on a battlefield in Italy. And he was so convicted that he devoted the rest of his life to helping the sick and the hurting in Jesus' name. He wrote a book about this. Another Christian read the book and was, was impacted in such a way that he created the International Committee of the Red Cross. And so every time you see that Red Cross and the good that's done around the world... Whether they still say it or not, I don't know if they do, but whether they still say it or not, that's the impact of Jesus. 
His impact continues to this day. There was a man that many of you may have heard of a few years ago named Dr. Keith Brantley. He became a household name, cover of Time magazine, as the first American to contract the Ebola virus. And he's one of the few who have ever survived contracting the Ebola virus. And he got the virus because he was serving the sick in the name of Jesus. He came from a very faithful, devoted Christian family. I've been blessed to get to meet and know his parents. And they are delightful Christian people. He went to Abilene Christian University. He felt the call to be a medical missionary. So he did the training that he needed to do. And he, his call led him to Liberia where he ministered and he served to those who were dying from this deadly disease, Ebola. Just as a side note, he went to Liberia through an organization called Samaritan's Purse. I wonder where they got that name. The impact of Jesus never ends. One day while he's there in Liberia, an ambulance pulls up. Two very sick people are in it. In fact, one of them is already dead. The other is dying. Dr. Brantley goes out to the stretcher, lays his hands on the person, and he says, Hi, my name is Dr. Brantley, and we're going to take good care of you. And in his own words, he's written a book. It's a great book to read. He says the work was hard. It was rewarding. He says, I was able to sit with patients and hold their hand, sing to them, pray with them, give them some respect and dignity amid the tragedy they were experiencing. I was able to show them compassion. And that was why we were there. And for seven weeks, he ministered and cared for the sick and the dying until he himself contracted the Ebola virus. To many folks, Dr. Brantley became a hero as the story went on. But there were a lot of folks who did not think he was a hero. In fact, at the time when this was happening, very popular political pundits uh, really undermined what he was doing and thought it was foolish. Um, Called him idiotic, actually, for going and doing what he did. Politicians argued that he should not be allowed back in the country since he was infected. Medical ethicists questioned whether he should have been given the experimental drugs that he was given. However you reacted to him, surely he wasn't going to go back. But that's exactly what he couldn't wait to do. He, he in fact, returned. He asked other doctors and nurses to go with him. He says, the epidemic ought to motivate us to action. I hope people will overcome their fear and find the courage to get up and help. Today, he and his family serve in Zambia at the Mukinge Mission Hospital, still impacting the lives of the sick in the name of Jesus. His story is an incredible story, a dramatic story. But not all of the stories of how Jesus uses his people to impact the sick are dramatic. One of my favorite people in my tenth and broad family was a lady named Lita Hedrick. Some of you are smiling because you remember Lita and others don't know who Lita was. Lita was a unique lady. She had never married. She had never had children. This church family was her life. And for years and years, maybe decades, Lita was in charge of a very important ministry here. 
And that ministry was a hospital visitation ministry. We're just a couple of blocks from, at that time, two hospitals. And Lita had a whole group of people in this church organized. And I'm telling you what, she was organized and you followed her instructions. And it worked. And every week there were teams of people who were in the hospitals. Not just visiting 10th and Broad members, but visiting all kinds of people who were sick and who were hurting Some who didn't have very much family around. Some who were out of town and got sick here. I mean, through the decades, all kinds of people were impacted by the people in this church who were following Lita as she was following Jesus and impacting the sick in very simple and small ways, trusting and believing what our Jesus said. That when we do those kinds of things for the least of these That we are doing them for him. Those are just a few stories from our family. From the larger family of God through history. Jesus has made an impact on the world. And he's made an impact on those who are sick. And on those of us who care for those who are sick. And yes, there's still sickness and there is still Illness and there is still suffering, but it is oh so much better than if he had never come. Can you imagine what it would be like without the impact of Jesus? What this world would be like? So, how does this impact us? Two things I want you to think about. First of all, as a follower of Jesus, what can you do? To join in the impact of Jesus on those who are hurting and who are sick. Last night, one of our own members, uh, Dana Estes, had to go in the hospital, have emergency surgery. Just with a couple of phone calls, we had people at the hospital. We had elders who were praying and calling. What can you do to be one who impacts those who are sick and who are hurting and who are suffering? I challenge you this week to pay attention Maybe in a different way to the to the news line and to the names that are listed there. And I hope every week you pray for those. But this week, maybe stop and make a phone call or stop and write a a card or stop and prepare a meal. Or send some kind of gift that lets them know you're thinking about them. What can you do to join in the impact of Jesus caring for the sick? But I want you to think about this another way also this morning. If you are sick. If you are hurting. If you are suffering in some way. Jesus cares for you. This church, because we follow Jesus. Cares for you. For those in your family who are hurting. So I want to ask you to stand, if you will. And if this morning you are sick, I want to ask you to sit down. If this morning you are hurting in some way, I want to ask you to sit down. If this morning you are suffering in some way, I want to ask you to sit down. 
If you're still standing, give thanks to God. And would you stretch out your hand and lay it on someone who's near you who sat down? And let's pray. Father, your kingdom has come and your will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. There's no disease in heaven. There's no cancer in heaven. There's no infection in heaven. There's no suffering in heaven. No one is weary or tired in heaven. And so we pray for our brothers and sisters who are here this morning. That it would be for them on earth as it is in heaven. Through Jesus you touched people and they were healed. And I pray that you would touch these brothers and sisters of ours this morning and heal them, God. You sent your disciples out to heal diseases. And I pray this morning in full faith that those who are suffering would be healed. You looked into the eyes of the sick and the hurting with compassion and with mercy. And so I pray that you would do that through the eyes of brothers and sisters in this church this morning. Through actions of compassion and mercy. Jesus, you knew the burden And the pain that people were carrying. And I pray that in some small ways. Today and this week. We would carry. Help carry. The burden of our brothers and sisters. Who are hurting and suffering. And I pray. This morning. That as our great high priest. That we come through you. With full faith. Assurance and confidence. That you sympathize with us. In our weaknesses. And I come with full assurance and confidence asking that those who are hurting, who are sick, who are suffering this morning will receive mercy and grace in their time of need. And I pray it in Jesus name. I'd like everybody to stay standing. Because Jesus not only cares about the sickness of the body, but Jesus cares about the sickness in your soul. And he says, in fact, not to fear the one who can harm the body, but to fear the one who can harm the soul. And so this morning, in fact, one of his most famous moments in his ministry was when some friends came and lowered a sick friend down through the roof. And do you remember what Jesus did? He not only healed his body, but he healed his body so that they would understand that he had the power to heal his soul and to forgive his sins. And so this morning, I want to ask you to do something that's even more courageous than to sit down if you were sick in your body. But if this morning you're sick in your soul, if this morning you're hurting in your spirit because of sin in your life, because you haven't been following Jesus like you should, Or because maybe you've never followed Jesus yet. If this morning there's something that you need to have forgiven. I want to ask you to sit down. People around you are not going to judge you. We're not here to judge. We're here to help. Would you have the courage to let us pray over you this morning? And if someone is sitting, would you put your hand out to them? And let's pray.
Father. We believe that you have the power to not only heal our bodies, but to heal our souls and our minds and our spirits. And you have the power to forgive our sins and make us clean in your sight. Make us holy in your eyes. And for those who had the courage this morning to allow us to pray for them, I pray that you would offer your forgiveness and your healing and your restoration and your life. And I praise God for that in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.